Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from Evangelist David Diga Hernandez from a midweek service um, in a message called Spiritual Comeback. Um, you know, if you ever feel complacent, you ever feel like you're kind of um, losing it with your walk with the Lord, kind of going back to your old ways, um, even old sin, sinful cycles, um, man, this message is for you. It's about how we must ask the Holy Spirit to fill us and we surrender our will, our desire um, to Him and Man, the Lord will do something in a moment. You'd be surprised at the, what can happen when you surrender. Uh, man, he, he gives you fresh vision. He gives you fresh life um, inside of you as, as we're walking with him. So, uh, man, enjoy this one. Listen to it and um, put it into action. And can we give the Lord a hand of praise this evening? Happy to be here at my home church, Praise Chapel Paramount. And we've actually been traveling some, despite uh, all of the chaos in the world. Good to see all of you. And I have a word I want to minister tonight, as soon as I can open my iPad. Okay. Good to see all of you. How many are expecting God to do something this evening? So, we're very blessed to have such a, a wonderful worship team. Thank you, Omar and the team. That's a good opportunity to bless them there with some applause. Omar, great job. And then um, welcome to those of you watching online. Don't tune out because I know God's going to speak to you tonight. God is going to speak to you tonight. That's the expectation we should have whenever we gather, that God's going to speak to me. Now, those of you watching online, if you want to help us to get this word out, all you have to do is click the share button. So like, comment, share. Like, comment, share. Those are the ways that you help us to improve our algorithm and actually give us more visibility on the live stream. So go and do that right now. You can't comment too much, even if you just say amen a bunch of times, spam us, that's okay. We want the comments coming in. And at some point, we'd love for you to come and visit us here in person at Praise Chapel Paramount, where we will make you feel welcome. This is a wonderful family of God, and we're always blessed when we gather. I want to thank our pastors, Pastor Omar and Letty, for the opportunity to minister here. It's becoming a regular thing, but I don't take it for granted. And I appreciate the uh, window of opportunity to minister to God's people. And of course, Mr. Stephen Moctezuma will be with me here, uh, backing us. Now, we are in a theme. We're talking about spiritual comebacks. And I believe God is really positioning the church now more than ever for a comeback. Now, when we talk about comebacks, it's not just a buzzword that we're trying to fit inside of a theme because we need to fill something. When I say comeback, when we say comeback, it's because we've heard from God and the Lord has spoken. This is not just a theme that has been planned. This is a prophetic word for a season for you to help break you out of the monotony of your everyday life. There are people here in this room right now, and there are people watching live. You felt like you've become stuck. You felt like you've been swallowed up again by the mistakes that you've been making. You feel like you've been going back to old mindsets, old habits, old ways of thinking. Maybe even you are embracing what God has for you in this season, but you find that it's very difficult to continue to move forward because of all of the opposition coming against your emotions, coming against your mind, coming against your finances, coming against your family. I'm here to tell you that whatever the opposition and whatever has set you back, God is able to make up all of that and more in a single moment. 
It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you think you've made. It doesn't matter how many times you've tried because sometimes too, there's the point of frustration when we say, I've tried this too many times. I've heard this too many times. I've heard that word. I've heard that preaching. I've heard those cliches. I've heard the scriptures. But my question to you is, have you ever truly surrendered to God and allowed him to work what he wants to work in your life? You see, you can hear it all day. You can hear the sermons, you can quote the scriptures, you can attend the church service, but until you begin to apply what God is speaking to you, you're not going to find that breakthrough. But I'm here to announce to you by the Holy Spirit that God is preparing you for a spiritual comeback and the person that you're going to be tomorrow is gonna to be stronger than anyone that you've ever been yesterday. And after you come through these trials that there's a perfection that God is working out in you. Maybe he had to humble you a little bit because you didn't do what you thought you were able to do. Maybe he had to break you down a little bit because you tried to do something on your own or maybe you fell into something that you never thought you'd fall into because you thought you were strong enough to handle the temptation and didn't think you'd become a statistic. Whatever it is that brought you to your knees, I can tell you that once you're on your knees, God comes close to those who are humble in heart and those who say, God, I'm surrendering to you. We talk about comebacks. I think about Adam who had two sons and think about the fact that this was the first murder ever committed in all of human history. And it was between brothers, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel and this was the first murder. Now Adam suffered that great loss. Eve suffered that great loss. But despite the fact that a son was wiped off the face of the earth, God still gave them a second chance and allowed them to bring forth the seed that would bring salvation to the nations of the world. When I think of a comeback, I think of Moses, who after murdering a man in Egypt, runs away for his life, runs away in shame. He goes and he hides in a desert and he goes and becomes a different person in that desert. In the very place he ran from, from fear, God sends him back to go and be a deliverer. I think of Joseph, who was thrown into a pit, betrayed by his brothers, positioned for what everyone around probably imagined was failure. But when he was being thrown into the pit, his accusers, those who came against him, those who had in mind to destroy him, didn't realize that when they put him in the pit, they were actually positioning him for the palace. They were putting him in the will of God. I think of Peter who denied Jesus three times after emphatically telling the Lord, Lord, I'm not going to deny you. I'm going to stand for you. And yet we see him denying the Lord three times. How many times have you told the Lord, Lord, I'm not going to deny you. Lord, I'm not going to fail you this time. Lord, this time I really mean it. I thank God that the salvation work that he's doing in me does not depend on my faithfulness. It depends on his. I thank God that it's not a matter of me holding on to him. It's a matter of him holding on to me. I thank God that it's not about me being able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, that's not where I place my confidence. I don't place my confidence in my ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I place my confidence in the Holy Spirit's ability to speak to me. It's because of God's goodness. It's because of God's faithfulness. It's because of God's nature and who He is that He's going to bring you out of where you are and bring you into the place that He's destined for you. I want to talk to you about receiving that second move of the Holy Spirit in your life. You think about the work of the Holy Spirit. And one of the common misconceptions concerning the work of the Holy Spirit is this idea that the Holy Spirit didn't begin to move until after the day of Pentecost. 
But when you think about it and you go through scripture in your mind, you look at Genesis 1-2 and you see the Holy Spirit hovering above the face of the deep. You see in Genesis chapter 2, where God breathes into dust and the Spirit of God goes and makes that dust a living soul. That was the work of the Holy Spirit. I think of Psalm chapter 139, verse 7, where the scripture asks the rhetorical question, where can I go to escape from your spirit? The Holy Spirit worked in Isaiah, worked in Ezekiel. He was a fire in the bones of Jeremiah, causing him to declare a word that he couldn't keep down. There was something that he had to declare and he couldn't deny it. That's what God will often do. But you see that work of the Holy Spirit all the way down through Malachi, where even he's called the refiner's fire. And then you go into Matthew. And you see the Holy Spirit beginning to work in the life of Jesus. Yes, Jesus was God. Yes, Jesus was born knowing he was God. Yes, Jesus was, is, and always will be God. But Luke chapter 2 verse 52 tells us that Jesus grew in four ways. In wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and in favor with man. Now think about that. How does God grow? God, God growing in wisdom? God growing in favor with God? Interesting. What was it that Jesus was doing during those seasons of his life? And it, we actually can see the Holy Spirit working in him. Because then you go to Matthew chapter 3, just before Jesus goes to be tempted in the wilderness. And we see that as he rises out the Jordan River, the Spirit of God descends upon him like a dove. Luke's gospel says, in bodily form the Holy Spirit came upon him. And so the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus and he begins to work all kinds of miracles. He begins to do all kinds of powerful things and he's obeying the voice of God. Jesus obeyed God to such perfection that he was able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Just as you cannot outpace your reflection in the mirror, so Jesus was not allowing himself to move out of sync with his Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I want to be able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Son. And walking in such unity with him that it manifested my everyday life. So Jesus begins to work by what power? Acts chapter 10, verse 38 tells us we know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So we see that Jesus goes about doing good, including the preaching of the gospel. Because what did Jesus say when he was quoting the prophecy? He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach. Jesus preached by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus drove out devils by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus healed the sick by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. So we see the Holy Spirit working in Genesis, working all throughout the Old Testament, starting to work in the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, at least in the ministry of Jesus, when, the, when he descends upon the Lord as a dove. And then Jesus goes about doing good. He goes about doing the work of the Spirit. Now Jesus had called to himself 72 disciples. Jesus had 72, not 12. He had 12 apostles, 72 disciples, people who he brought close to himself to teach them and to train them and to show them how to walk out the will of God in the earth. Now watch this. Jesus worked by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And then he goes and he imparts this same power on the disciples. Now the disciples were able to cast out devils, heal the sick, preach the gospel. In fact, they did other things. Think about when Jesus said to them, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. They were given revelation. How did they get the revelation? By the Holy Spirit, of course. So we see the Holy Spirit working in the Old Testament. We see the Holy Spirit working in the disciples, and they began to do things that were beyond human comprehension. They began to do things that were beyond their power, and they began to move in that power to help bring about the kingdom of God within the earth. But then we see that these same disciples, and this is where I began to kind of scratch my head because I saw the Holy Spirit. He's working in the Old Testament. And then he works in the life of Jesus. Jesus passes on that power and the Holy Spirit begins to work in the life of the 72, the lives of the 72. And then toward the end of the gospel account, we see in John chapter 20, verse 22, that Jesus breathes upon them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this interesting? Because right after doing that, he gives them instructions and says, go wait for the Holy Spirit. It's as if he said, here's the Holy Spirit, go wait for the Holy Spirit. And I thought about this, and at first to me, it seemed like a contradiction. And I started to really try to understand, Lord, what is it that you're doing here? Because I can see the Holy Spirit at work. I can see him already doing something, yet we see that there's something that the disciples were missing. How is it that the Holy Spirit can be given in portions? He can't be given in portions. When the Holy Spirit comes into a life, he comes in fullness. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 tells us that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't even belong to God. So it's not as if the Holy Spirit is this reward if we live holy. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you the moment you are born again. So we all have the Holy Spirit. The question is, does the Holy Spirit have you? And see, we live our lives in such a way that we have this tendency to wander, this tendency to go back, this tendency to begin to go back to old habits. This is why there must be spiritual maintenance. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine, for that will destroy your lives. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That, that phrase right there, be filled, in the Greek is actually a terminology that implies a consistent infilling, like wind in a sail. That infilling is continual. It's not a one-time thing, and that's what I'm trying to show you. You may feel like you've tried it all. You may feel like you've attempted again and again to get this thing right. But I want you to really evaluate where your life is right now. And I don't want you to compare yourself to where you were maybe a week ago. I want you to think about where you were years ago. And look at how far God has brought you. Look at how far God has taken you. See, the tendency is that we begin to become weary and fatigued because we're constantly being told the same truths again and again and again. But let me tell you something. None of you could tell me what you had for breakfast exactly three weeks ago. None of you could tell me what you had for breakfast this time last year, unless it's your birthday and you have the same thing every year. You know what I noticed? I can probably re-preach a message once every six months and no one says anything. And that's not a slide on you. The reality is there's so much coming at us that we sometimes forget. But do you realize that you don't question the need to eat a meal because, oh, I've eaten so many meals before. I've already had that. 
No, you, you do it, why? For daily sustenance. This is my daily bread. Now, now, now here's the thing. Sometimes we forget that the move of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time experience. It's a continual state of being. How do I know? I'm showing you. At the beginning, God breathes and there is life. And then the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus. And what does he do? He breathes on his disciples. Why would he need to give them the Holy Spirit if they are already doing miracles? Why do they need to, why do they need to wait for the Holy Spirit? Think about it. Really think about it. Why do these disciples who are moving in such power, who are raising the dead, why do they need to wait for the Holy Spirit to come? I'll tell you why. It's because receiving the Holy Spirit is something you need to do daily. And so you may have looked at where you are right now and feel like you've fallen several steps back. You may be watching. You may not be here because you feel like you've gone too far. So you think, I'll just watch online. I don't deserve to go in person. You may be sitting here tonight wondering about the progress in your life, wondering about how you're going to come back from whatever it is you're in right now. But think about this. Jesus breathes on the disciples and he says, go wait for the Holy Spirit. Here's the Holy Spirit. Go wait for the Holy Spirit. And then we see those same disciples in Acts chapter 2 waiting in that upper room when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And what does the Bible say? They all begin to speak with tongues. Now, who was among them? Think about this. Who's among them? All the disciples and Peter among them. Now, here's the same guy who was just in a garden abandoning the Lord. And then he was also there denying the Lord. Three times he denies him. Here's this man who is filled with so much shame and fear that he denies that he even knows Jesus. And now he stands before a crowd of people and begins to preach boldly. Wait a minute. I thought he already had the Holy Spirit. Why is it then that there is this major shift, this major difference in him? Again, I'm telling you, it's about that daily surrender. It's about giving yourself to Him again and again and again and again until the work is complete. We must lay ourselves upon that altar. We must lay down our lives every day. If I have to crown Him Lord every day, I'll do it. If I have to start again every morning, I'll do it because the Bible says His mercies are new every morning. And I believe more than that, His mercies aren't just new every morning, they're new every moment. You may feel shame for how you messed up. You may feel like it's difficult and maybe it's not a mistake that you made. Maybe it's just the circumstance. Maybe it's just fatigue. Maybe it's just growing tired. Once there was this joy in you doing your ministry, once there was this joy in you gathering together, the scripture says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Not I was trying to find excuses because I didn't feel like showing up and I'm really tired after work. There was this gladness to it. What happened to that? I'm telling you, it's not necessarily that you've gone too far. It's not necessarily that you've wandered away. It's that you've forgotten what it is to surrender to Him. You didn't lose the Holy Spirit. 
You just decided to stop allowing his influence in your life. People ask me all the time, Diga, David, whatever. Here they call me Diga. Everywhere else in the world, they call me David. Some people think they have to give my full name. David Diga Hernandez, I have a question for you. It's <laughs> the weirdest thing. That's the weirdest part about all this. <laughs> they ask, are, are you tired after you preach? I'm like, no. I'm like ready to go. I'm energized. It's a blessing and it's a, also something else. But I'm telling you, the anointing energizes you. The presence of God energizes you. Now, we're not done yet because we see Peter standing up. And for every time he denied the Lord three times, he wins a thousand people to Jesus, 3,000. There's redemption in that act. But what changed? Did Peter finally receive the Holy Spirit? No. He was surrendering at greater levels. That's what the baptism with the Holy Spirit was. It was a deeper surrender. It was a greater giving of themselves. And did you know that wasn't even the last time it happened? To Peter. I'm going to show it to you. Go to Acts chapter 4. Watch this now. There's this whole thing that happens. It's a whole... Peter and John go before the council. They're being scrutinized for their preaching of the gospel. But watch this. Go to Acts chapter 4 verse 23. This is powerful. So mind you, look up at me for a second. Holy Spirit in Genesis, all throughout the Old Testament. Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus, Matthew chapter 3. Jesus breathes upon his disciples, John 20, 22. Then he says, go wait for the Holy Spirit. There in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then we see again in Acts chapter 4, this same group, watch this. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them, what the leading priests and elders had said. So who's there already off the bat? Look up at me. Who's there in this group? Peter and... Okay. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David. Your servant saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with feudal plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah. Now let's go down to verse 30. Look at what they're praying. Stretch out your hand with healing power. Look up at me. Didn't they already heal the sick? Weren't they already praying for the sick? Watch what they're praying. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now watch this. Peter and John among them. This same group in Acts chapter 2 who received the Holy Spirit. This same group who Jesus breathed upon. This same group who was already out doing the work of the gospel under the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Weren't they already preaching the word of God with boldness? Weren't they already filled it was a fresh infilling. You go on to read, and there are some among them who never even heard of the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you tonight, it's simple. You want to come back from whatever it is that you're facing today. It could be a number of things. It could be sin. It could be apathy. 
It could be that loss of vision. It could be the loss of joy. It could be the loss of peace. It could be that you don't, you, you're at the point where you just, you're kind of here, but you're just saying, I don't even want to try anymore. You might not be willing, but if you're willing to be willing, the Holy Spirit can work with that. Wherever you surrender, he'll meet you. Wherever you surrender, he'll meet you. But you got to lay it down. You got to lay it down, not for an experience, not so you can encounter something, but so that your life can count for something. So that you might be used of God in whatever way he wants to use you. We need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit's power. Now, I know if you're watching online, you expect this broadcast to go a little longer, but it's not tonight because the Holy Spirit's leading me to do something different. And in order for me to do this, I have to dismiss um, those of you watching live. This is why you should come to church to be a part of what God is doing. It's kind of like the, the, you know, the first episode is free, but then you gotta come subscribe if you wanna be a part of it. No, all kidding aside, I know some of you can't make it, but I do wanna pray with you before you go. Not that I'm joking with you. Don't, don't be offended. Don't, don't log me off. Stay with me now. It's a joke. But I do wanna pray with you. And then I wanna pray with all of you. And then I'm gonna share some things about what God's been doing. And it's just been, I'll tell you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for each one who is receiving this word now. Church, can you all just pray in the Holy Ghost just for a couple minutes? I pray for that one watching, and I ask you, Lord, to begin to do your work as only you can. Holy Spirit, touch them. Set them free, Lord. Let them be liberated by your power. In the name of Jesus, I want you to say it because you believe it. Say, amen. So be a part of what God is doing here at Praise Chapel Paramount. We welcome you. I know some of you um, were watching because I, I, I told you about this live stream. Usually these go much longer, but, but please make sure you're a part of what God is doing here. And for now, I will say goodnight. We love you. God bless you. Let's say goodnight to all those watching live. We're good? Okay. I want to pray for all of you, but you know how political people get, so they'll... They'll crucify me if I lay hands on people. You know, the past couple of, of months, really, we've been in something so powerful. And, and I hope it's okay, Pastor Mother, that I mention that people come down to one of our Sunday night meetings. Um, we've been in something just, I can't really explain it. We're in a move of God. And people are getting saved. People are getting delivered. That's all wonderful. You see that everywhere. But I can't begin to explain to you how there's just been a touch of glory on the meetings. And I'm sensing that here tonight. There's a real breakthrough. But the power of the Holy Spirit will flow wherever there is hunger. We are in a time of unprecedented occurrences. But I believe the true church is rising. I believe God is sifting out some people. But I know this, 
I want to be a part of what God is doing. So what I want to do is I want to pray with you. But you want this fresh touch of God. Look, we all get there. We all come to that place. We get back into old ways of thinking. It's, it, it can get, a, get to any of us. It can get to, it gets to me. I myself have to maintain. And I'll find myself, oh, there's that old, that old Diga coming back again. Gotta push that guy down. But the invitation tonight is simple. You want God to touch you. You need a fresh touch of that power something to move you into this new season. And you may have tried this a thousand times. Well, okay, try a thousand and one. I'm telling you, God will do it. You want that. I want you to come down to this altar. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.